Oh. M. Mom! Hi guys, welcome back to Give It To Me Straight, where the water is always cool and refreshing. Because on the show today, we have, all the way from Season 6 and All Stars 8, Miss Darian Hi, how are you? I love your outfit. It's amazing. Thank you. Yeah, I thought like, if, what, what is the essence of Darian Lake's drag, you know? And I thought Billie Eilish. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, AOC loved it. So I, of mm. course, saved that screenshot of her saying that she loved it. And and everybody else, they were just like, I knew exactly who the fuck you were. And I don't care if it was too literal or whatever. And so I decided to sell some t-shirts inspired by it on yeah. my uh, merchandise website. So... Yeah. Did you sell enough before you got a cease and desist from her team? Before? No, luckily, luckily I used my own logo. So it's like a D and an L oh, okay, and okay. same upside down or right side up or whatever. Yeah. So, <laughs> I worked, and of course, you know, if you want to know, let everybody know you're on the DL. So, Oh, it's a, I didn't even think about that. I, you know, I would have brought you one uh, as a gift for letting me in your home, but mm. I forgot, you know. <laughs> like I'll invoice you later. Baggage limits. I'm only platinum on Delta. I'm poor. So it's, it's hard sometimes. We, 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 I knew I was gonna cry. Okay, <laughs> let it out. Yeah, 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 yeah. You said let okay. it out. <laughs> With the Billie Eilish look that you did, though, um, like who told you about Billie Eilish? Was it like a niece or a nephew or something? <laughs> How did you find out about her? Um, you know, I listen to a lot of music at the salon because I still cut hair and everything. Because um, I work a lot of jobs because nobody's gonna take care of me when I get older. So I have to work as much as I can so I can retire someday. And um, so the music just comes on. I like to put on Serious Hits One and just listen to it. And I was like, oh, I love that song. Who's that? And then they're like, Billie Eilish. And then, yeah. And then I, I watched like the awards ceremonies and go, what the hell is this? I don't know who they are. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, I know how. I like that. And then, of course, Kelly Clarkson redid um, Happier Than Ever. And so I'm a huge Kelly Clarkson stan. So mm-hmm. stan, I learned that word too. <laughs> from the Eminem fans. You're so hip. <laughs> yeah, I'm so, yeah. yeah. I feel though like um, Billie Eilish is a little bit more recognizable as a brand than Kelly Clarkson. It's hard to do like a Kelly Clarkson runway. Exactly. Yeah. Billie Eilish, you're like, oh, that's an easy recognizable look and comfortable and cheap. So, you know, just a t-shirt, some little pants. Exactly, yeah. Just a t-shirt, pants, a couple of chains, all that kind of stuff or whatever. Yeah, I did have like, you know, a friend of mine uh, designed the logo. or Well, I designed the logo, but then he like designed it onto the shirt and everything. So, mm-hmm. you know. I wanted to look, you know, some of the looks that I saw, I was like an old lady at Halloween. Who were you supposed to be? <laughs> I had no idea. I thought you had the most like contemporary of all of them, ironically enough. But. There you go. You know, and also, you know, I thought like Darian Lake is known for like, hey, she's a sequin queen and all that stuff or whatever. And just always like sequins or whatever. I like sequins because they're plastic and the puke and booze just wash right off of them. And plus, they'll never biodegrade. So I want to be on this planet forever. Um, and then... You know, I just was sort of like, like, guess what? They'll never expect. They'll never expect me dressed as Billie Eilish. Like, you know. Yeah. What, like watching like the runway and stuff and seeing you come out. I was like, it was so unexpected. And it was like simple. Yeah. But because it was like the unexpected factor and everything else. It's like, this is, it's almost like camp. Yeah, yeah. I was like, I like this. Yeah. And I like, I like, I like the cut of her jib. Yeah. 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 Uh, watching it with the audience and all that stuff when we, during premiere. I came out and people were just like cheered, like went crazy. So then, of course, I was just like, little do you know, they're going to fucking tear that apart. Mm-hmm. Which I thought it was interesting that they would tear apart some of my looks and then just glaze over some of the obvious flaws of other people. Yeah. I hate when that happens. It happens. You know, it's, yeah. you know, sometimes they just, you know, they don't catch it. 
But you're in Vegas right now, and being someone who's named after amusement park, have you rode the roller coaster yet? I have not ridden the roller coaster here in Vegas. I have done the um, it's like the London Eye. What do they call it? The um, the Ferris wheel. I don't know what they call it. It's a. Uh, do they just call it the Ferris wheel? What do they call it? It's got a name. I'm it's, like, it's something. I've been in Vegas for less than a year. There's so many yeah. attractions that have yeah, names. Yeah. I'm like, what's yeah. the ball called? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Larry Edwards, actually. Uh, we, we, when I came out here, I think it was in 2014 when we were doing the premiere of season six. Uh, we were doing the premiere party out here. And then I got to see all those things or whatever. And Larry Edwards was like, come on, I'll show you. And we'll, we'll do the ter- Ferris wheel. I was like, oh, I'm scared of heights. She's like, oh, is that why you wear low shoes? <laughs> I was like, no, it's I'm crippled and I don't have the ankle mobility. But um, no, so so we did that. Are you actually, um, are you actually scared of heights? I am afraid of heights. Yeah, I'm afraid of heights where like I'm gonna fall and injure myself like really badly. If I'm up high enough where I'm gonna die, then I'm kind of like into it. Um, whenever I go to like Niagara Falls and stuff, I get the call of the void. That's sort of like jump. Uh, that you know yeah. how you get that like when you're driving in the car and you're just like, <laughs> um, and you wanna. The call of the void. There's a French word for it. Um, um, I can't it. French people give me the crepes. This is going to be the whole interview. It just, <laughs> it just zingers. Sorry. I'm, I apologize. It's yeah, I've been hanging out with Akasha too much. She loves a dad joke. <laughs> but like I said, you were named after an amusement park. Darien yeah. Lake. And, um, uh, well, it's uh, between Rochester and Buffalo, New York. I'm named after an amusement park because most guys that ride me vomit. And... Um, when I was first painted up, I looked like Ricky Lake from the movie Hairspray. Mm-hmm. And so they thought, like, oh, be Tracy Turnblad. And I thought that was like, a, I'd never seen the movie. So I was like, that's a horrible name. Like, be Ricky Lake. And I don't want to be somebody else. So like, be Darian Lake. Two tons of fun. Twisted steel and sex appeal. And I was like, you got it. I was going to be um, an eyeshadow color, like Mauve Sunset, Dusty Rose, or Heather Sky. And so that did not stick. I would call them like, can you put me in drag again? They're like, hey, Darian Lake. It's like, my name's Heather Sky. So um, so then it just stuck, just the whole Darian Lake thing. And I spelled the name a little bit differently. Darian, I added an extra N-E. If there's one thing you're good at, it's avoiding a cease and desist. Thank it's, you. That's exactly what I was doing. Yeah. Completely, yeah. yeah. And also avoiding anybody spelling my name correctly. Mm-hmm. So we stay in a queen that checks the trademark registry before she does anything. You got to do these things. Yeah. If I could go back in time, I probably would have picked first pet, first street, which would have been Pixie Peters. Mm-hmm. Easy to spell. But then people would be like, is it P-I-X-Y? No. Oh, my God. Yeah. With your name being Darien Lake, is there a certain ride at Darien Lake that resonates with you like personally? Uh, yeah. The like, Mind Eraser. <laughs> yeah, because most guys who ride me just want to uh, yeah. forget about it. Yeah, I was gonna say you gave me more hoot and holler, hoot and holler, yeah, yeah. or moose on the loose. Oh yeah, Woo! but that amusement park—they actually had an incident uh, in the '90s where they did off the Superman. Yeah, some guy he was riding the ride and they couldn't get the bar down, so they just let the ride go, and he got flung off from it, and he like sued them, had to go to the hospital. But oh you were no, at that was okay. So, <laughs> thank you, thank you. Yeah, where you got your fear of heights, right? You know, I did, I did. You know, and I just like went clink, 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 clink down like plinko <laughs> on the prices, right? Oh, Bob Barker. Um, and so yeah, I just just on the metal um, things. But there was a guy who actually died um, because he was on the ride and he was strapped in and all that stuff or whatever. Unfortunately, he did not have legs because he was over, like, he fought in the war and stuff. I don't know which one. And um, the same ride, though, right? Same ride. Yeah. Superman ride. And so um, I guess when it went over the first hill, he just, and died. But I guess his family was like, he died doing what he loved. 
falling from a height. I don't know. It's just, I feel horrible. Uh, but, you know, you got to go. You got to go. But outside of going to Darien Lake and Speedy Fest and watching exploitative talk shows, what else is there for a child to do in Rochester? Uh, leave. And and so um, it, actually, it's big, it there's not a lot going on. So it helps us be creative, I think, in a way. And that lends to it. You know, also a lot of, you know, skiing and, and snowboarding and all that kind of stuff. Like on the mountain? Yeah. Okay. The mountains, the, the not, hills of the Adirondacks or whatever. Not the other yeah. kind of skiing. Yeah. And usually around... Um, like the Halloween time and Thanksgiving, we pumpkin. We're moving on. Cut that one. <laughs> Actually, no, put a silence in. <laughs> Cricket. I, like, I will let you speak what you need to say, but I will not indulge you if it goes too far. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> at, what, at what point, getting into the more serious topics now. Okay, yes. At what point did you start to realize, like, your sexuality? Uh, you know, I think I was like... <clears throat> I was around like 18 and I started going to see the Rocky Horror Picture Show. And I've always, I always questioned what it was because I was always like a fat kid growing up. And I was like, am I looking at those guys with those beautiful chiseled bodies because I'm going to look like that or because I want that in my mouth? Yeah. And we used to go and see it with this one friend of ours who I was just like, oh my God, he's so cute. So he had great, like his biceps were like little baseballs and stuff and then um and then one day uh we were out on his boat out on canisius lake and um he pulled it out and then i was like yep i was like you know like any other kid who first has sex like shaking and freaking out and like oh my god this is totally what i want you know 18 years old and so i was like oh wow this is amazing and it probably gave him the worst ever because you know how you can't put your hand totally around a soda can uh it was it was that oh, for your first one yeah my first one yeah i know Set the bar too high for like everyone past that i think probably yeah yeah, yeah. are yeah. you still looking for that 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 beer can no because as long as they have a you know a beautiful mouth and a nice i'm we're in business you know oh so you're, you're in your top era now i'm in my top era you know i've i tried to do the whole put things in my butt but ugh, yeah. ooh, it just hurts so much area like, not derriere oh i know my butt goes no yeah <laughs> Ouch. I don't know. I can't do it. And my friends tried to, were like, try poppers. And so I did. Um, and they were filled with cream cheese instead of like the cheddar ones. Like jalapeno poppers should have like the cheddar cheese in them. But anyway, so that that didn't work. Anything but goat cheese, right? Ugh. Ugh. Nothing should taste like the animal smells. Mm-hmm. Goat cheese is... Ugh. That, that's like one of like your least favorite things in the world, right? It's goat yeah. cheese. How do you know that? Mushrooms. Wow. Yes. Goat cheese. cats. Oh. Mushrooms are slimy and gross, and um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, leaving the topic of food back back to the topic the about oh. like your identity and yeah. sexuality. I know. Uh, at one point, you even like thought that you might have been trans. What was it that happened in your life that made you think that you might be? And what was the realization that you weren't? Um, so, when I was like coming out and all that stuff, and started doing drag, like I never got any attention as a chubby boy out in the clubs and stuff. And I heard that there were like people who were into that, but they were never knocking down my door and there was no internet back then. And so I didn't really uh, know that. And so when I started doing drag, I was getting a lot of attention from men and I was like, wow, this is great. Oh, wow. Maybe I should be a woman. I should probably be a woman because I look better this way. And one of my great sort of drag mothers uh, was Tuesday night. I had like many drag mothers. um, And so she's trans and she was like, do you feel like you were 
a girl your whole entire life. I'm like, no, but I feel like I look better as one. And she's like, so then you're not trans. Like if you grew up thinking like, like I am a girl my whole entire life, that's so basically she sort of like, let me come to this realization for myself, like who I am and my gender identity and all that kind of stuff or whatever. And so I, I don't know, I'm probably somewhere in the spectrum of whatever it is, but I'm one of those old people who's sort of like, nah, I don't care, whatever I am, you know, whatever you want to call me, I don't care. I could, I have a full beard and I, are you ladies okay? I'm like, yeah, we're fine. Like, I don't care, nothing. When you get attacked so much with words uh, growing up, words now or labels don't affect me. So if someone's like, oh, by the way, you probably are, you know, gender fluid or gender queer or non-binary or whatever it is, or maybe you, you know, are. Okay. Whatever, you know. Like you're past the point in your life of compartmentalizing and trying to categorize everything. Exactly. You know, whatever, however you want to identify to, I don't care, whatever. Yeah. Oh, but I'm, I don't give a shit. Yeah, they're like, so are you a man, woman? You're like, I'm a top. That's. Right. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know. Yeah. Like I am but a vessel. <laughs> I am but a vessel. Yeah. That is exactly it. You want to call me daddy? Call me daddy. You want to call me mommy? Call me mommy. You know, I don't care. Whatever. Just let me know and. Tell me what your safe word is. But regarding like your sexuality, uh, your mom wasn't the most supportive of it, much less your drag. Yeah, um, <laughs> that's that's an understatement. Yeah. And yesterday was actually 33 years to the day that your mom found your duffel bag. Oh, I know. Oh, my God. Yeah. And she freaked the fuck out. Yeah. For the people that don't know, what is that? Tell, give us a rundown of that story of that night. Um. So... Yeah, she found my, I came home um, and she found my duffel bag of drag where I was hiding all my drag and stuff and keeping my little safe. And I came home and she's like, what the fuck is this? And I was like, um, uh, and she's like, I'm not paying money for some get to live in my house and drive a car and go to school. And why are you dressing like a lady? Like, are you going into like ladies bathrooms and stuff? (laughs) People I'm like, no, where does your mind go? Uh, No, I'm dressing like a lady like you know like tootsie you know like to entertain people and have fun and she's like this is sick this is disgusting like she uh basically that was the day she invited me to leave the house it was very intense and it was very horrible and she was like this is sick this is disgusting this is against god this is against nature and all that stuff or whatever and so i would just i was like okay cool awesome fun so um i actually left that day and and I really was like, I was I was like in such a dark place, you know, because I was like, I'm a fat, undesirable, you know, gay kid with nothing now, like, uh, whatever. And I was like, what do I have to live for? Like nothing. Like I, that was like I contemplated suicide and all that stuff or whatever, and or ending my life or unaliving myself. Um, and I didn't want to live anymore. It's, um, I didn't want to live like that. I didn't want to be who I was and I was just completely lost. And luckily I had the drag family and the drag people who were like, it's okay, baby. You can stay on my couch, you know, um, and all that stuff, whatever, just don't touch on anything. And, um, um, eventually it sort of healed itself where she's like, I didn't mean that you had to leave. And I was like, well, it kind of sounded like that. She's like, it's, you know, I just don't want any of that in my house and all that stuff or whatever. So, yeah, not fun. I was going to ask, at what point did 
she's I, I know you you patched up your relationship somewhat like at what point did she start to kind of come around and accept you more for like who you were um it took a long long time and eventually it got to a point where it was very like don't ask don't tell like don't tell me about your life i'm not going to ask about it all that stuff and so it wasn't until after season six, they wanted to get my mother to like talk about it on camera. And she's like, no, absolutely not. I don't want to be embarrassed. I don't want to be part of it. And then my brother-in-law, um, who's a filmmaker, um, he was like, I just, I want to bring a camera and I want to interview you. And she's like, no, absolutely not. He's like, nobody will see it. No one will see the light of day. But if you feel comfortable, we will show it. And so that's what they use for the the reunion and stuff. And my sister, well, I have two sisters, and they were both very involved in educating my mother, saying that, like, I don't know if you notice, but whenever there's any kind of family function, you know, he's always in the corner and by himself because he doesn't feel included in the family things. When you talk to him, you're like, oh, how's the salon? How's the house? How's your car? It's like asking about things in his life, you know? Like, if he talked to you and was like, oh, How's your dress? How's your shoes? Like, that's not about who he is. So you're, you are making him feel unwelcome in the family by not giving a shit about him. You might as well talk to a stranger. You're more intimate and want to know more about a stranger's life. And so she was like, okay, I get that. And um, my mom being a very Catholic kind of person, there was a lot of her values that she had as a, as a Catholic that um, she was tested on. My youngest sister had a bastard child. They used to call it that, but had a child out of wedlock. My other sister, she got divorced, which again was against the church and stuff. Um, and so it was like, she thought like, oh, God gives me these like five children that I have to raise as good Catholic kids as well, good Christians, whatever. Um, and that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to make them good people. But then she realized, no, God gave her these children to challenge her beliefs and her morals and what it means to love a child unconditionally. So, so it, it eventually, she was like, oh, okay. And like, now it makes sense to her. So now she's involved and now she will ask. And she's like, oh, so you're touring, you're doing this. Oh, that's great. And all, all that stuff. Um, she did ask me about like, oh, is anybody in your life? And I'm like, no, like you ruined that for me. You know, um, not because it's because like I'm one of five kids and I was the middle of five. So I like my own privacy and I like all that stuff or whatever. And and I don't I don't feel the I don't have that Disney ideal that I need to be completed with a person, a partner or something mm -hmm. or whatever. I like the idea of companions and people that come into our lives as like soulmates. Like I feel like our friends are our soulmates. And I always said like boys should be like side dishes, you know. Um, you have your friends, your soul, your soulmates, your core in your life, but boys are side dishes. You know, sometimes you want some mashed potatoes, some, some stuffing or a little goose goose. Yeah. But never yeah. mushrooms again. Ugh, no mushrooms. No mushrooms. Slimy. <laughs> Gross. Ew. Well, you, you talked about yeah, your mother and your relationship with your mother in links and like other interviews. Yeah. But what was your relationship like with your dad? Where was your dad when all this was happening? Uh, while this whole thing was happening, that we were actually having like a dinner conversation. And um, my dad was like, you want to know what I think about it? And my dad was like a mechanic and like very like 
man's man, all that stuff. And I was like, oh. So you want to know what I think about it? Not my I don't care what you do with it. You know, I just think, you know, you're probably going to get AIDS because it was, you know, the early 90s and everything was AIDS. Like you could die in a plane crash and people were like, was it AIDS related? It's like, no, it was a plane crash. It's like, oh, did he die of AIDS on the plane first? Because like everybody thought like, oh, you shared a glass with him. You could probably catch AIDS or, oh, you got bit by a mosquito and it probably could have bit a um, AIDS person like and like people were very uneducated back then and especially my parents because I mean they're still kind of uneducated um in many ways um so it's not as bad as like yeah. the but that's why they live in Florida yeah so, yeah oh well that works out there yeah, yeah 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 so um so yeah my dad was like oh you know I don't care what you do with it and stuff and um and I was like well I'm not gonna catch HIV because I don't do risky things especially that was early in my sexual career I was like because I don't you know I at the time, I was a side, you know, I was like, I don't do anal, like, and, she, and my mom's like, well, what else is there? And I was like, well, there's, you know, oral and frittage and stuff. And she's like, oral, like in your mouth? Oh, my God, that's sodomy. It says right there, the Bible, like, oh, I love your father, but I could never. And I was like, you've never sucked dad's And my sisters are like, you know, and um, she's like, no, oh, my God, sodomy. Um, <clears throat> I was like, you're Catholic. I thought mm-hmm. girls who are Catholic they suck so they don't yeah. get pregnant. It's like and, their, their idea of foreplay is pushing the beds together. It's, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I know mm-hmm. at one point, like when you were ten, you had an incident where you had an argument with your father, and you actually tried to overdose on Flintstone vitamins. Oh my God! Yeah, I was being very dramatic. Yeah. I was a very dramatic child. Yeah, um, it was the strangest thing. It was like, um, well, it was. Yeah, he worked very hard, all that stuff or whatever, and he definitely had a temper. And there was a moment, and my sister remembers it very well as well, um, that there was hair in my food, and I pulled it out, and I was like, ugh. And just the face just set my dad off. He flipped the kitchen table and, like, smacked the shit out of me, and, like, to the point, like, bruising me. Like It was full-on, like, abuse. And so then, of course, I went running off screaming, locked myself in the bathroom. And I was like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to end my life. And I just grabbed a handful of pills, which were Flintstone vitamins. I tried to kill myself with two Barneys and a Wilma. I'm like, oh. Um, and so that didn't work. Um, but, you know, I was so. But uh, like, there was a long period of time where you didn't really have any contact <laughs> with your father. And it was actually on 9-11 that you first had your first real conversation with your dad after many years. Yeah. Because you had an uncle that worked in the World Trade Center. Yeah. 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 Uh, my uncle, Tony. Um, and then my cousin, Joey, as well. And my uncle, Tony, worked in the World Trade Center. And he was there when it got bombed um, early in the, in the 90s and stuff. And so he was there for that. And then when the first tower was hit i believe he was in the first tower that was hit um and he knew like right away get out going down the thing and so i think uh the stories that i've heard that he had you know definitely the ptsd of like seeing people and all that stuff or whatever and and also the the seeing the firefighters going up the stairs all those stairs or whatever with all their equipment on and it was probably the last time they were going to be seen and um he got out he was fine but the thing was like the day started like I normally do. I start making coffee and watching like Regis and Kelly and um, or the Today Show and stuff. And that wasn't on yet. And they interrupted it because of the whole World Trade Center thing. You know, the first tower was hit. And so I called my mom, but my dad answered the phone. And I was like, does Uncle Tony still work in the World Trade Center? He's like, yeah, I think so. 
Uh, I'm like, because it's on fire right now. And I don't know if a plane hit it or something. He's like, well, I'm going to call uh, your grandmother and see if I can get a hold of it. And so she wasn't able to get a hold of him. And they, did, they didn't really, they weren't able to get a hold of him. So then I called back and I was talking to him. And that's when the second plane hit. And I thought like, maybe it was like a air traffic controller mistake, but he's like, that is no mistake. That was intentional. And so I was like, they're just going to fall down. Like, you know, like in that moment, did you assume that your uncle was in the building? I think a lot of stuff, like I react to a lot of things of sort of the shock and disbelief. Like I don't really realize that things have happened. And I'm like, is this really real? Is this real life? Like, so I'll worry about it later, I guess. Um, I'll cry about it tomorrow or whatever, you know, I guess that also is part of the, the way I was brought up, you know, yeah. with five kids, when we'd cry, my mother would be like, I don't want to hear it, you know, mm-hmm. go fight your own battles, you know, very that. Really get back in a little bit. It's like your origin story. Your first time in drag, take us back to that night whenever this little girl was born. Oh my Lord. Like, have mercy. Isn't she so little beautiful? Tracy Turnblad. A little Tracy Turnblad. And uh, one of the drag mothers was a hag or fruit fly, however you want to call her. Um, Gloria, big girl. She worked at the door, and she was she was she always called me Pond. Hey, Pond, um, Pond, like Darien Lake Pond. Oh, okay. She called me Pond. Hey, Pond. Sorry, the cream. I, Pond's cream, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and so um, she was like, "You are not leaving the house without fingernails on, without eyelashes on, without pantyhose, just like all of it." She, like she made sure that like you're not fully in drag unless you're wearing all those things. You know, she was very old school drag. So, yeah, wow. Isn't she stunning? She's so pretty. Mm-hmm. And I still have that dress at home, believe it or not. And it's still very vibrant and pretty. Um, you stoned it or is it still just the fabric? It's just the fabric. No, I just, you know, sometimes you just like a nice fancy print. On, on your drag journey, at what point did you meet Pandora Box? Oh, yeah. So um, <laughs> I'm surprised you don't have that photo. Um, and so I started doing drag and, um, and it was a big, huge hit. Uh, she's a local star. Um, and so then we were asked to perform at the Park Avenue Festival, which is the whole, it's like a block party. And so we were out on the porch and I was performing and I had met Pandora at the clubs beforehand. I was the coat girl, coat check girl. And, um, and so they're like, oh, this is Darian Lake. And she's like, why are they calling her an amusement park? Like, so, and then she saw me up on the, on a porch Mm-hmm. Uh, performing and they're like oh there's Darian Lake she's like oh that's who that is. okay now I get it now it makes sense so yeah yeah Pandora saw me and I was like wow that's so inspiring if she can look like that imagine what I can look like so then oh, so you inspired her to do drag I did oh. sorry um it's your fault <laughs> it, it really is and the funny thing is she, her and this other friend opened Pandora's box I really did I really did yeah yeah have you ever actually opened Pandora's box with you being a top? Um, Barf? Uh, no. She actually used to hang out with this other friend of hers. And um, the other friend of hers reminded me a lot of like a little mini me. Yeah. yeah. So me and this other drag queen, Heather Sky, were going to put Pandora box and this uh, Veronica Lake into drag. So I got little Veronica and I painted her just like me. And then Heather was a little bitter that Pandora was sleeping with her ex-boyfriend, with Heather's ex-boyfriend. Pandora was sleeping with Heather's ex-boyfriend. So Heather painted Pandora to look like... She never changed her makeup. It was... Ooh. 
put black curly hair on her and just like Pandora has very large, like beautiful eyes. And she just sort of circled him with like black eyeliner. It's just mm. I came she into the room. Like oh my god, hideous. Oh um yeah, I came into the room and I went, Oh my god, she's like, Is it bad? I'm like, Ooh, we can fix it. So I turned the lights down and like repainted her face and stuff. I'm like, okay, now like tilt your head back and like look and like squint your eyes and and um, so then I fake like an old housing, just some spackle. <laughs> oh, right up. Uh, th- that old house needed a lot more than just spackle. It needed a whole overhaul, <laughs> honey. Chip and Joanna Gaines need to fucking like that's a fixture upper. Um, and so, uh, so then I started painting her face and everything, and I did that for like two years, and then I was like, all right, you got to do it yourself. Little did you know, like whenever y'all met there, y'all had no idea that you would someday become the international drag superstars you are, national yeah. syndicated television. But Drag Race actually wasn't your first time on television. No. There was a couple times before that. We'll kind of like work our way backwards. Yeah. There was a time in 2007, there was a short docuseries episode on VH1 yeah. called Boys Will Be Girls. Mm-hmm. Which is kind of like a little timeline about like drag, what you guys do, what you go through. How did you guys land that gig? It was weird because I guess they were, they reached out to Pandora and they said that they were um, traveling up the Eastern seaboard and like looking for uh, people to document um about drag and they met us and we charmed the fuck out of them and like our whole drag community in rochester since rochester's a small city we all work together and so we all help each other in a way of like just being one big happy drag family and so there's not that competition of like oh she's over at this bar and she's over at this bar it's like we all sort of work together and um so then we just you know worked well together and then the producers saw how well we worked together and how fun and exciting we are and how silly and how Pandora and I at the time were sort of like the Lucy and Ethel of like Rochester. We were crazy and sane and, and wacky and did some uh, questionably um, illegal things. So, um, so yeah, so we had a, a great time doing that when we were young and being stupid and and feeling like the world owed us because, you know, being sort of kicked out at a, um, a young age, we were like, well, the world owes us, so we can be like little hellions, and we we're watching divine movies and be like, yeah, we're fucking badasses, mm-hmm. shit kickers. They commit an arson. You're like, because of my mom. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know about the arson, huh? What? What kind of illegal stuff? Like other, other than like the obvious, you know? Like I mean, the... there was there was. A... I'm not going to talk about it. I'll I'll wait till you have her on the show. Uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, so you can you can ask uh, Pandora all about that. She won't admit it though. Um, so, <laughs> but yeah, no, um, so we, we did crazy things or whatever. Um, so yeah. You had some experience filming a show like that together with Pandora because there was another time 20 mm-hmm. years prior to that, 1997, you were on the Ricky Lake show. Oh, I know. I still have the t-shirt. Yeah. yeah. 1997. It was an episode titled, my friend is too fat to be a drag queen. Yes. Uh, I was three at the time, just, but, um, but what, was okay. that, what was that experience like? Oh. Thanks. Rub it in. Just, I'm trying to give people like a time frame. Just oh, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Of course. Yeah yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 But the Ricky Lake show, what was that experience like? Your first big TV break. Yeah. And it was a show of your namesake. Obviously you're a huge Ricky Lake fan. Yeah. Yeah. Like, what was it like getting cast for Like, how, first of all, how did you get cast for that? The funny thing is, is like, so they were like, hey, do you know anybody? Blah, blah, blah. They would always do that at the end of the show. Like, hey, do you know anybody who's got, you know, 15 fathers and stuff? And you'd be perfect for the show. And so Pandora and her boyfriend at the time, they weren't working. They were just doing drag. And I actually was uh, doing many a jobs to put myself through school. And so I was at my telemarketing job. And so she calls me on the phone. She's like, hey, so... They, okay, don't be mad, 
But, um, and I don't think this about you, but they're doing a topic on the Ricky Lake show saying, get a grip doll. You're too fat to be a drag queen. And you know, I love you, but I think, and I was like, oh my God, we can totally be famous. This is awesome. Yeah. Sign me up. Let's do it. Like have them call me. And so we were like famous at like the Olive Garden for like a month or two. But um, it was great. We were, we were, I was so excited. And so then the producers called me and I charmed the shit out of them over the phone. And, um, and so, yeah, I was like, mm operator get me number nine um so so i talked to the people on and they were like oh this is great and we really want to uh build up the animosity and stuff and i was like you mean like it's not real like um mm -hmm. and they're like yeah we just want to you know keep you guys separate and all that stuff or whatever and you're gonna be like really mad at her and she's gonna be mad at you and you just amp up the drama and stuff and i'm like i can do that so um so it was great and we had this great opportunity they flew us down and i was like oh this is so amazing mm -hmm. um and i got to meet some amazing queens dina cass uh that's when i first met her and this was before the internet and stuff so it was so hard to like keep in touch with people and ajacia adams who was on the show and there was another of my i don't know i i remember a lot of shit but i forget a lot of shit too so. that whole episode is on youtube it really is, and I think it's subtitled in some other language. Yeah, it's like it's like Finnish or something. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But with the focal point of the episode being about like your weight and the struggles, like yeah, of being like a plus size person. Yeah, yeah. Weight was something you struggled with most of your life. At Entire what point, life. I still struggle with it every day. Are you kidding me? At what point did it, you start to feel the struggles of that? Like, at what age did it really start to like hit you? Um, I th I think really in high school and stuff, it started to hit me of my weight being an issue and all that stuff and trying things and like my mom putting me on the, the Richard Simmons deal a meal or Weight Watchers or any of those sort of things. And um, and also like with the whole being gay and coming out and having these feelings and trying to hide myself. And like, so in a way, like the food was like hiding, like, why is, you know, little Gregory not being asked out by girls? Well, it's because he's fat and whatever. And, mm -hmm. um, what I thought I was. Um, and so it was a, a good way to guard myself or it's like boys didn't pick on me for being gay. They picked on me for being fat. So I was like, Ooh, it's a safety. It's like, it's cool. I'm, I'm okay. Like I, you know, they're like, Hey fatty. I'm like, okay, cool. As long as you're not, you're hitting the outside, you're not hitting the inside, the gooey center. So I'm like, I'm good. You know, I don't have to worry about that. And so, um, you know, that, and then also I'm left-handed and the desks were like right-handed. So you try and like get in there and like, you know, it's like when you're trying to sit in like a coach seat and like the tray is there and you're like, I'm trying to write this way. And so I knew that in high school with just all these things or whatever that like, you know, I'm different. Like when we had to wrestle in, in school and stuff, when we had to wrestle in gym class and they were like, okay, you're going to line up by weight class. So it was like little twink, little twink, little twink me and the coach and i so i had to wrestle him because i was the only i still had 20 pounds on him but um but yeah and i remember when he pinned me to the mat he's like i won i was like i think we both won sir i think we i think we both won there i am with a little chub in my fucking sweatpants at you know 13 years old but 280 pounds it's good times how did your weight affect like your dating life because it's one thing to be there was no like, dating life like you know like because i I didn't find myself attractive, so there's no way I could find somebody else attractive in that way. And, you know, I um, balanced my self-worth on how I looked on the outside. You know how they say, like, you can't love yourself until, or you can't love somebody else until you love yourself? And I'm like, well, I can't love myself because I don't like myself. Like, I don't like the way I look. But then I learned, like, eventually that 
loving yourself as loving who you are as a person, not on like your physical outside, because nobody is 100% happy with how they look on the outside. They always want to improve something or whatever, whatever it is, you know, so nobody's happy. Some people look amazing, but again, there's even amazing people who, you know, um, go through their lives completely unhappy because they don't see how wonderful and how beautiful they are. You know, and you know, the problem too is you take pictures of yourself and you look at pictures and you're like, ugh. But you have to remember if you look at a sunset and you take a picture of it, that picture of that sunset is not as pretty as the real thing. So when you look at a picture of yourself, remember that is not as pretty as the real thing. So when you meet me in person, you're like, God, Darren, you really are stunning. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I hit him again with my stun gun. Yeah. <laughs> but even like outside of high school, like whenever you yeah. like, did experience dating and meeting yeah. people, what do you think had more of a negative effect on your relationships or finding partners we think is more due to your weight or the fact that you look like a butch lesbian? <laughs> oh my God. Rosie O'Donnell? That's what is she doing here? Oh. I know. And the great thing too is about the uh, people always ask me like, Ooh, how do you get your eyebrows so snatched and everything? I'm like, cause I had a lot of real estate to work with. I just, you know, I had a lot of trees to Bambi and Thumper had to find a new home after I took those. And, uh, but yeah, oh, that soft and supple little chub. I mean, if I could go back in time, let me tell you, I probably would have. Funny enough, I, I would have found. These are about the same time. These are both the early 90s. Uh, they, are... they really are. Yeah, yeah. I have the same amount of lipstick uh, and makeup. So, yeah. And look at that hairline. Gorgeous. Beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> With your way, there was a point where you decided to you wanted to do something about it. It was around the time of like the crazy, like the Atkins diet. Oh, yeah. And you had lost up to like 140 pounds. Yeah. Only to put the weight back on. And then some. After. Holy crap. Yeah. So what 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 happened? Like what what made you decide <laughs> that like I need to make this change? And what made you decide, okay, I'm going back? So many failed attempts, you know, um, of so many different things. And um, so it just kept happening and stuff. And and then I remember uh, doing the haters roast in 2019 and just feeling just like we were touring and all that stuff or whatever. And when I had to climb the stairs with suitcases, thank God, like Mary Kirk was there to help us with suitcases. So just don't worry about it. Like, and I got to that point where like, if I dropped a pen, people were like, oh, let me get that for you. Cause they knew like, you know, just I was becoming disabled in so many different ways and not able to do a lot of things. And feeling the the pressure and the the pain on my joints and stuff. And um, so getting off the tour, there was a picture that me and Bette Creme took together and people attacked me in the photo because of my appearance. And Bette Creme, being the wonderful person she is, you know, of course, stuck up for me and all that stuff. And was like, you know, how not cool this is. And you don't understand what people are going through. And, and, um, and I looked at that picture and I was like, okay, this is it. You know, this is time to, to change it and stuff. And, and I don't know what it was back around the turn of the century when I got into the Atkins craze where it just snapped. Like, I don't know what it is that makes people snap. Like, I don't know what it is. There's no like rock bottom moment or whatever, um, that did it for me back then when I first started doing that. Um, the first time I lost weight. And then this time it really was no, maybe looking at the picture or maybe feeling the pain. Um, there was some days where I'd wake up in the morning and I would like hold on to the furniture, like, Oh, I got to get my bones like working first. And, uh, my, my brain sometimes is still there, but my body was definitely shot. And I thought like, this is sort of the end. 
And so I'm going to, you know, um, do something about it, whether it's, you know, um, lose weight, talk to the doctors or talk to my, um, you know, financial planner, Smith and Wesson, and just fucking blow my brains out, you know? And so, you know, cause you sit there and you think like, okay, what do I have to live for? You know? And then you realize like, I do have stuff to live for. Um, and there is, there is a way out. There is a light at the end of the tunnel. There is, there is something out there for you. There is somebody who's reaching out to you, you know, and telling you like, you can do this because like, I can do this. You can do this. Somebody else can do this. You can do this. Like, you know, um, I had a friend who was on the verge of like dying of liver failure. He came in for a haircut. His eyes were yellow. When they say jaundice and yellow, yellow, like, uh, like got to be glued hairspray yellow. Um, and I'm like, why are you here? You should be, you know, at the hospital. He's like, well, I, you know, I like, I wanted to not cancel on you and get a haircut. And I thought, this is the one you're going to wear in your coffin, you know? And then I thought about that, applying it to my own self. Um, so I don't know, it just sort of snapped and then just sort of started to work. And, you know, I still struggle. I still, you know, have those moments where, you know, I go into the convenience. My mother never loved cooking. So I, like, I got the addiction for convenience foods or whatever. And, you know, when you're busy and traveling and doing whatever, you don't have time or you make excuses for not having time because you've wasted the day watching YouTube videos. Uh, Boring YouTube videos. Yeah, yeah. not not, not high quality ones. Right, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So, um, you know, and so that's, you know, I still struggle and all that stuff or whatever. I have those moments and and then I have to remind myself like, no, okay. Like, but whenever you had like lost all that weight and then like packed it, what what caused you to like pack the weight back on? um, I think it's because like that was also struggling with who I was. Um, It was right around 2004. I had bought my house and all my friends had paired up. And I was there left alone with nothing. Like I had a house, but I was by myself and I was like, okay, I have nothing. I have nobody. I thought, I also thought like, oh, well, maybe if I lose weight, you know, I could find a guy and stuff and then I'll be desirable and stuff. Um, But then I didn't realize like the loving yourself part has to come in there too. And so then I just went back into old habits, you know, Um, old habits are hard to break and you, you go into that mental space and then you put on a little weight and then you don't want to be seen because you put a little weight on so then you keep pushing yourself further and further away and right around that time as well uh one of my sort of drag mothers naomi kane had passed away and same with brent aka heather sky had passed away and i saw the same pattern in my friends that were dying that i was doing pulling myself away like they were getting sick um naomi had cancer and she was um getting sicker and she was not going out anymore and she was pulling herself away and Heather Sky also she wasn't doing really well she was getting really sick and stuff and so then I would call her be like hey girl am I coming over to watch Survivor and hang out and no and you know I've Matt and the kids and whatever and it was always excuses and so she was pulling herself away and then I noticed I was pulling myself away as well you know I didn't want to perform anymore and I wasn't excited about that and Pandora got on Drag Race and I was, I, that wasn't a dream for me. So I didn't even audition for season, you know, like three or whatever. And then I threw in an audition for season four and then for five and I got traction on the season five audition and then I got on season six. So, yeah. With all the, um, 
like the lowest moments that you had. Yeah. Were any of those as bad as when you found out you accidentally deleted your Tumblr? Oh my God. Did I do that? Um, I, I did. Yeah. That was really, um, how did you really find that out? Yeah. I just, it, Cause you were talking about drag race. Uh, your Tumblr was actually what you helped use with like a lot of your online friends to help. Yeah round up votes for the casting because like season five they were trying to get people voted yeah exactly so i was doing everything yeah and i had this like group of tumblr friends that i had transferred from my twitter friends because when i first started on twitter my goal was to hang out with other people on twitter and try and make like one-liners and do jokes and like 140 cal 140 characters or less so i was trying to do that and so i got introduced to this community of people on twitter and then through tumblr of all sort of walks of life. And it was interesting to get to know these people, mm-hmm. especially a lot of them were straight people. And for me, being a, like a guarded gay who was always sitting at the lunch table by himself, now I was able to be invited to that lunch table of the the straights and and find out what their life is like. And they're like, oh, this is this is so cool. You're like, you're actually like real sort of people, except you do all that gross stuff in the bedroom. Um, and so it was, it was interesting, you know, and like, there was a lot of, um, people behind the Twitter avatar that I got to learn and, and, and realize that like, um, they're real people. Some of them were like fun, like moms and all that kind of stuff or whatever. And yeah. it's like, tell yeah. me you actually made like genuine connections, even yeah. going to like tweet ups and like Florida. And stuff. I know I did. I went to, uh, yeah, I went to a tweet up, which was a, a gathering of, of people and stuff um, from Tumblr. I was going on a gay cruise. And so it just so happened that they were doing a tweet up in the same city. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to meet a bunch of strangers off the internet. What's the worst that could happen? In drag. I yeah. It's in drag, you know? Because I thought, like, also being in drag gives you, like, a, a mask and you feel comfortable and you feel sort of protected, a little guarded in, in a way. And um, plus some of the boys that I, you know, that I was meeting were very sexy. And I thought, you know, this, this old girl still got it. Um, but like I said, with the season five, they did, like, um, voting to get some people on. And let's say you were kind of campaigning and a lot of your Tumblr friends were rallying votes for you. And Sorry. <laughs> I just, yeah. You know, sometimes I drool. I get a little excited. I was... I was trying to, oh, sorry. Okay. <laughs> but despite your best efforts, you didn't make it on season five. You eventually got the dreaded thanks but no thanks email. Like, how devastated were you? Because like I said, you were really trying to get on the previous seasons, but season five was when you really were trying to make the go at it. Yeah. You know, I, I said, like, you know, I wasn't really devastated. I thought, like, you know what? I'm on their radar. They're noticing me. So who knows? It's only a matter of time. It's only a matter of time before that happens. And, you know, if it happens, it happens. If it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen, you know? But, um, um. I made a few videos to be like, oh, thank you so much for voting for me. Um, I think I made one of me crying in the shower. It's fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, it's all about fun and having fun with it and stuff and, and not taking life too seriously. And because, you know, getting on RuPaul's Drag Race is winning the lottery. You know, not everybody gets that opportunity, especially to do it like twice. Mm-hmm. So it was amazing to do so well, you know, to go from like the greatest season of Drag Race to like the worst season of All Stars. I mean, some people like it. Some people like it. Yeah, yeah. Candy loves it. Um, <laughs> she thinks it's amazing. She's woo. Uh, There's at least one person on that season that said, "Oh wow, yeah, well, you know, oh wow, yeah." Jimbo, <laughs> yeah, Jimbo likes it too. <clears throat> yeah. Well, on your initial season, <laughs> you didn't have the best fan reaction. You had a lot of negativity. Oh my god! Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even outside of like you know the fat phobia, like, yeah, there was a, just 
a lot of negativity from like yeah. a lot of the fans. I think the, some of the producers were like, "Wow, we thought it would be a little bad, but we didn't realize it was going to be that bad." Yeah. So whenever I did see like Misha and Jacqueline out, they'd be like, "Hi, how are you?" I'm like, "I'm good. I'm fine. It's TV. It's not real. I know that you know. It's that's the thing too. It's like people are picking on the outside. They're not picking on the inside. I know what's on the inside. I know who I am as a person. So don't worry about it. You know. And people are like, "Oh, you fucking bitch." I'm like, "Look, if I wanted to hear that, I'd go back home to my parents." But with the passage of time, like people started to come around and yeah. became more of like one of the revered figures in Drag Race. And obviously, with people having all the calls, wanting you to be on All Stars, right. when did you start to notice the shift in like the audience's sentiment towards you? I think it's with every season of Drag Race where they sort of um, let people peek behind the curtain, whether it's intentional or not, where they're like, oh, wow, okay, now we see how it really is. Like, you know, we as a viewer aren't so fooled by what you're putting together as piecing a show together for entertainment purposes. You know, RuPaul's Drag Race is not a documentary. It's an entertainment program. And I think as time goes on, people really get to see, like, how heavy production can have a hand in it or not have a hand in it. So, um, you know, they were completely laissez-faire with us or blase-da. 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 Yeah. But with the positive reputation that you you accrued with the fan base and yeah. having a good run on your initial season, why why did you want to go back to All-Stars? Where were you hoping to show people? I think really to show people like that you can still do this. Like dreams do not have an expiration date. You can continue to do these things into your, you know, um, late 30s like I am. And so... Um, <laughs> and, uh, so, you know, and then also to show sh or showcase where I was lacking before, especially like the fashion and stuff and be like, look, I can do this too. And not just to show other people to show myself yeah, because that's, that's I never, why, yeah. That's why you wore a $20 t-shirt on the runway. You got it. Absolutely. It's fantastic. <laughs> they charged me more than $20 to do that. Oh, but yeah, I know. You have a coupon? You could do like a couponer. No, I know. Yeah. Yeah. I am a couponer. Um, mm -hmm. I do it. Yeah, I, I love a deal. I love a bargain. I don't care. You know, I, I like to save money. What do you want me to do? Yeah. Well, that's the last question I have for you. Yes. Is it true that you once accidentally took money for sex? <laughs> I, <but> I, <laughs> I did that. Um, yes, I did that uh, accidentally. It was accidentally. a complete, complete accident. Here's the story. So... <sighs> Me and Pandora were out in Buffalo, New York. And so um, we were performing and all that stuff. I was in drag. And there was this guy who was hitting on me. He was like, oh, you're gorgeous. Whatever. I'm like, hey, thank you. Uh, he's like, come home with me. I'm like, no, I drove. Uh, he's like, no, I'll drive you home. I'm like, I live in Rochester, New York. It's like an hour away. He's like, no, I'll drive you home. I'll drive you home. And so Pandora's like, go, go, go. And she's a good influence on me too. She's like, go get that dick girl. And I was like, okay. So I went home with him. But he's like, oh, I got to stop somewhere real fast or whatever. I'm like, okay. He got some a bag of cocaine, and I didn't do cocaine, so he was doing all of it himself. And then he's like, yeah, after we had sex and everything, like, you know, he had coke dick. So I was like, all right, I'm in my top era. And so um, so we had sex. We had fun, all that stuff, or whatever. He's like, I'm too messed up to drive you home. I'm like, I still have to get home. So he's like, I'll pay for a cab. So he gave me a few hundred dollars and was like, this is good enough. Mm -hmm. So I took the cab money and went back to the bar and I called Pandora and I was like, can you come get me? And she's like, I just got home. So she turned around. And so then I gave her a hundred dollars and I was like, don't tell anybody. So then she told everybody. Yeah. You got your 150 American, 50 Canadian, right? Yes, I did. That was a good time. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. Yeah. Cause he had, he didn't have enough American cash on him, but he had some Canadian. And back then Canadian dollar was strong. Mm-hmm. 
Well, with that, uh, with that lovely anecdote, that is the end of our time today and the last of my cards. But before you go, I wanted to give you a gift. Oh. Uh, give you a taste of home so you don't have to wait for the next, the oh my next God. Speedy Fest to come around. Oh, my God. I'm so excited. How do you like that? Speedy sauce. Where did you find it? It's, it's almost like you can buy anything on the internet these days. <laughs> this is great. This is going right in my purse. Yeah. So I know with the food, Vegas has some good eats, but they don't have speedy sauce. So, no? you know. There are, you know, I should have brought you some country sweet sauce as well. I'm going to, you know, let, I'm going to write down your address mm -hmm. and mail you some. See, I, I'm, I'm from Arkansas. It's like a lot of like Southern food and stuff, but there's a lot of stuff from the North. I'm sure that I'm missing out on. There are a lot like of a, things. Like, like we've got a hot dog. Like garbage plate. Sauce. Garbage plate. I don't know what that is, but. This is amazing. Where else? It's great on chicken. It's great on chicken. Great on chicken. Yeah. Yeah. Also wonderful as a douche. Um, today I used a coffee enema. Mm. I should have cooled the coffee down. <laughs> I'm medium rare, but I'm wide awake. <laughs> not, not, not as pink in the middle. Just cook through. I am sous vide to sous the vide. perfect 98 degrees. Sous vide. Sous vide is when you cook things in a water bath. Oh, my God. Oh, see? Among things. I watch Top Chef as well. I enjoy, I enjoy reality TV. There's a show called Top Chef. You're like, I'm a top. I am. I know. I love it. They're finally a chef show made for me. Well, I mean, one of my favorite seasons of Top Chef was right in the evening. One of the first few things or whatever. And he's like, I'm not your bitch, bitch. I was like, yeah, sound bites. Well, as I said, that is less of our time we have today. But Darian, where can it, what do you have coming up? Do you have any shows happening? I have nothing. Media? I have nothing going on at all. Please help me. Please send me money on Venmo or PayPal or Cash App even. Uh, I've lowered myself to even accept PayPal. Um, so... I've got nothing going on. No, I will be traveling as, you know, as a, as a girl does. Please follow me on Instagram because I don't have that many followers because I keep blocking them. Um, she ate. I'm like, oh, fat joke. Oh, um, so yeah. Um, yeah. Follow me and stuff. And like, and tell me what you want me to post and, and whatever content you want, because mm -hmm. I'm here to please as many people as I possibly can. Like, she'll do whatever she needs to. Just let her know, please. Yes. Yeah. This interview, this is a cry for help. It so. really is. It really is. So <laughs> thank you. Thank you so much for tuning in and staying all the way through the end. This is going to be the end because this is your farewell show, right? She's like, this is it. Yes. This is going to be, yeah, as they say, like, this was her last taped interview <laughs> mm -hmm. before she snapped. Yeah. Just like her bra <laughs> snapped. Yep. That's the thing. That's why I'm named after an amusement park because the amusement park actually uses my old underwire for their roller coasters. So, you know, it's sturdy. Not starting enough because of the one guy, but yeah, anyway, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But and so you can find her online at Darian Lake. Yeah. And you can find me right here on the YouTube channel. Make sure to com like, comment, and subscribe and join us next time whenever we have somebody else. Yeah. And yeah, till then. They'll be my favorite guest. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, till then. Bye, guys. Fuck off. Give It To Me Straight is brought to you by Moguls of Media, a.k.a. Mom. Hosted, produced, and edited by me, Maddie Morphosis. With audio editor, Margot Padilla. Executive produced by Willem Belli, Alaska Thunderfuck, Big Dipper, and Joe Cilio. M. Oh. M. Mom!